Take your copy of God's Word, would you, this morning, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And inventor in 1926 said, and sometimes I think we should have listened to this fellow, theoretically, television may be feasible, but I consider it an impossibility. And how many of you can watch TV on your phone this morning? Don't do that. Don't do that. He said, a development which should waste, we should waste little time dreaming about. Oh my. The chairman of the board of IBM in 1943 said, I think there is in the world a market for about five computers. (laughs) And there were probably about 75 computers in this room this morning, right? If you get a phone... A recording company expert said in 1962, we don't think the Beatles will do anything in their market. Guitar groups are on their way out. (laughs) Obviously, those people were completely wrong about the future. They They didn't know what the future held, did they? They had not a clear picture. And let's face it, Do we know any better than they? What's going to happen tomorrow? Do we know any better than they what's going to happen next week or next month or next year? We do not. And we don't know what difficulties are in store for us, do we? But all is not lost. It is Easter Sunday, after all, when we celebrate the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who conquered death, who was risen from the dead and lives today. It is Easter Sunday, after all, and that reminds us that there is hope. When you listen to God's word, you find real assurance, real hope. A reason for real joy. Because God has given us in his son every reason for hope. And when we read the Bible, we find that God knows our needs. And he promises to provide for our needs and has provided As a demonstration of how he will provide for every one of our needs, he has provided for our ultimate need. The need of a Savior to save us from our sins. And he has provided for that need in our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why a woman like Corey Tenboom, who with her family helped Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II, she helped many Jews and she and her family paid dearly for the help that they gave Jews during that terrible time in history faced serious struggles and difficulties in her life. But she demonstrated her confidence in the future this way when she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. 
In fact, that's what Easter is all about. Easter declares to us that an unknown future is secure because it's in the hands of a known God. God made himself known to us in God the Son. God made himself known to us. He revealed himself in human flesh in the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he sent to be the sinless sacrifice for sinners. And God raised him from the dead. And we rejoice in that today. We celebrate that today. And through faith in Christ, we no longer have to wonder about the future. We can rest assured that we are secure in Christ for all eternity through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been seeing here in our studies in Philippians that this was Paul's assurance also. This is what he based his life on. And we're going to see today how Paul was able to face an uncertain future. How he was able to face uncertain difficulties that may or may not come. Facing that uncertain future with joyful confidence. I want you to follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse 20 with me this morning, would you? I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Paul writes, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, as we've noted in our previous studies here in Philippians, Paul was in prison and possibly facing execution because he was preaching Christ and he didn't know what difficulties he might face. He wasn't certain whether he would be released or whether he would face death. He thought it possible he could be released, but it was also possible that he could lose his life. But in spite of his uncertain future, Paul had, do you see it here? He had an eager expectation and hope. His outlook for the future was bright. Now, he likely had to deal with doubts and fears like we do. I don't think he escaped doubts and fears. We don't. But he wasn't saying, I'm just so discouraged. Please pray for me, people, because I'm just so discouraged. I'm so worried about the future. You don't hear that in Philippians. No, he was saying something very different. He says, it is my eager expectation and hope. These are not the words of a man who's giving up any ground to uncertainties about the future, any ground to discouragement and doubts. So how was Paul able to face an uncertain future with this joyful confidence? How can we have that kind of joyful confidence as we go throughout our lives not knowing what's the next challenge I'm going to face? What difficulty lies ahead. These two words, eager expectation 
describes what happens when one strains their neck to just catch a glimpse of something that's far off. That's what Paul was doing. He was straining to see just a glimpse of something that was far off. He wasn't sure what was ahead for him, but he did know that he was secure in Christ. That he was certain of. This was not wishful thinking on Paul's part. This idea of straining to see what's ahead joined with that word hope. It gives that clear picture of his confidence. He's not wishfully thinking, boy, I just, I'm going to think positively. And, and things will turn out positively if I just think right thoughts. That's not how it works. He put his faith and trust in, in a known future. Because that future was based on his faith in the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This wasn't wishful thinking on Paul's part like we often do when we use the word hope. Like, I hope so. Like, I hope it doesn't snow tomorrow. It's Michigan, though. You don't know. Paul says hope, and he uses that word hope very differently than we do when we think that way. Paul's words, he uses these words here, ex- eager expectation and hope. It expresses his confidence in spite of the things that he's uncertain about, the things that he doesn't know about. And there were two certainties in which Paul had confidence. There were some things he was basing his confidence on, though there were some things he was uncertain about. There were two things he was very certain about. And I want you to see those this morning. First of all, he had confidence that he wouldn't be ashamed. What does that mean? We'll see. He was confident that he wouldn't be ashamed. Second, he was confident that Christ would be magnified. He was confident in these two things. He rested in his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and his confidence is seen in these two things. Let's note first his confidence that he wouldn't be ashamed. What does that mean? Some might have thought that Paul should have been ashamed. Here he is, imprisoned. What have you done wrong, Paul? You should be ashamed of yourself and keep your mouth shut. That's what the authorities were saying. Some thought he should have been ashamed for having been locked up. Like this should have kept him quiet in the future. Keep your mouth shut and all will go well for you. You you continue to speak about this Jesus and you're in trouble. But Paul was not ashamed. He was not. As commentator John Gill puts it, he was not ashamed of his reproaches and sufferings for the sake of Christ and his gospel, nor of the gospel which he preached, so as to retract and deny it, drop the whole or conceal any part of it, lay down his profession of it, or cease to preach it. He was not ashamed to preach the gospel. He was not ashamed to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. Come what may, I'm going to keep telling you about Jesus. That was Paul. And so he was fixed on remaining bold just as he had been in the past. And with his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he was confident he would remain bold when he fixed his eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, evidenced by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we celebrate today. Paul was not ashamed. He was fixing his eyes on his Savior as he faced the uncertainties that came. 
He trusted that as he fixed his eyes on Christ, as he focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, as he rested in the promises of Christ, he would remain confident and bold, unashamed. That's a reminder to us that Paul's confidence wasn't in what he could accomplish. He wasn't resting his confidence on what he knew he could accomplish. He isn't bragging here about what a strong person he is. Look how strong I am. Be like me. He says, no, that's not what he's saying. He's testifying here to the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. As we saw last week in verse 19, Paul understood that it was the provision of the Holy Spirit that was at work in his life. He knew that with the help of the Holy Spirit, he would have just what he needed to keep pressing on, unashamed, to keep living for Christ without embarrassment, to keep proclaiming the gospel steadfastly no matter what difficulty came. As Paul says in Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What a wonderful truth. This is what Paul lived by. He knew the Spirit would help him in his weakness. Was he weak? Yes, he was. But he knew the Spirit would help him be strong. Are you and I weak? Yes, we are. But where is our confidence? Is it in the Lord Jesus Christ? And you can rest assured that by the help of the Spirit, you too will have the Spirit's help to be strong in your weakness. Commentator William Hendrickson points out that the Holy Spirit will never permit Paul to seek any easy way out of his imprisonment. For example, by denying his Lord. On the contrary, he will equip the apostle with unfailing courage. Literally, complete outspokenness, a courage which reveals itself in a frank and unhesitant proclamation of the good tidings of salvation to all who are willing to listen and which has as its source confidence in God and in his promises. The confidence of one who knows that at all times he can approach his God without fear. Beloved, that's where we need to place our confidence in the certainties of a risen Savior. In the certainties of an indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to help us be bold and courageous and steadfast and confident in our times of need. Is your source of confidence in God and in his promises? We need the word, don't we? We need the word like we need the Holy Spirit. And by the Spirit and by the word, you can be confident that you will have what you need, that you will be well equipped to face whatever comes your way as God helps you face them for his glory and for your good. I think this same confidence given by the Holy Spirit of God is seen in the lives of Jim Elliott and his fellow missionaries. Many of you know the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliott. Jim and Elizabeth were missionaries to the Aka Indians. Jim and a few of his fellow missionaries had their lives taken from them one day by the hands of the very people they longed to share Jesus with. 
They labored long and hard to share, to begin to, to, to create a, a relationships with these people so that they could present the gospel to them. What's remarkable is that these men all had sidearms or rifles to protect themselves against the savage tribe that they were trying to reach for Christ. And yet, none of them fired a shot in their own defense as they were speared to death. Later, Elizabeth Elliot and a few other missionaries decided to go back. After they grieved the loss of their husbands and fathers, they went back, some of them. And they, they saw many of the Aka Indians trust Christ. Jim's perspective on the future points to his courage in Christ when he wrote in his prayer journal found after his death he wrote he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose Jim Elliot was talking about giving up self giving up your own wants and desires, even your life for the cause of Christ. And he was willing to give it all up. He and his co-laborers for Christ were willing to give it all up. Their very lives, in fact. Because they knew they couldn't lose the gift of eternal life through their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jim Elliot knew it would be worth giving his life if it meant the gospel of Jesus Christ was advanced. And that's what God's word is calling us to today. Paul also wrote these words in Romans chapter 8. I want you to listen to verses 31 through 38 in Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you see where Paul's coming from? This is the kind of faith that we're called to this Easter Sunday. As we remember the risen Savior, as we celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ risen from the dead and living today, this is the kind of faith that we are called to as we recall our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and His sacrifice for sinners, His sinless sacrifice. And because of his victory over death, we can rest assured of our salvation through faith in him. And we can have confidence because of Christ that nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Through faith in Christ. And the confidence that God gives by way of his word, the Bible, and by his spirit working in us, we too can face unknown difficulties and unknown hardship with confidence, with hope, with joy, knowing that with God's help we will not be ashamed and that we will be able to remain steadfast for Christ no matter what what comes with his help. Now note Paul's confidence that Christ would be magnified. Paul says in the second half of verse 20, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Whether Paul lived or died, All that mattered to him was that Christ be magnified. Warren Wearsby says, does Christ need to be magnified? After all, how can a mere human being ever magnify the Son of God? Well, the stars are much bigger than the telescope, and yet the telescope magnifies them and brings them closer. So Warren Wearsby says, the believer's body is to be a telescope that brings Jesus Christ close to people. To the average person, Christ is a misty figure in history who lived centuries ago. But as the unsaved watch the believer go through a crisis, they can see Jesus magnified and brought so much closer. To the Christian with the single mind, Christ is with us here and now. The telescope brings distant things closer. The microscope makes tiny things look big. To the unbeliever, Jesus is not very big. Other people and other things are far more important. But as the unbeliever watches the Christian go through crisis experience, He ought to be able to see how big Jesus really is. 
The believer's body is a lens that makes a little Christ look very big and a distant Christ come very close. Paul's life is instructive to us in that we need this reminder that our bodies, our lives ought to be a a lens that magnifies Christ. Like the like the magnifying glass that makes the small easier to see. The world we live in doesn't care much for Christ. Doesn't care much for the gospel. But their lives, their whole eternity hangs on whether they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to be about living in such a way that we magnify Christ, responding to hardship and difficulty with confidence in the risen Savior that he has conquered death, that he has conquered even our sins and the punishment that we deserve. He has conquered it all. He has paid the price for those sins and he lives today and we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit Jesus' very presence in us to help us face the hardship and difficulties that come as Paul was making much of Christ in how we respond. Shining the spotlight on Jesus. Making him known. Paul's life is instructive to us in that he was not living to promote himself. You realize that? He was not living to to make much of himself so that others would think much of him. Paul's passion was that Jesus Christ would be magnified. That was his focus. And he was confident that God would use his life to exalt Christ, whether that meant he lived or died. Paul was confident that if he lived, that would be to exalt Christ. If he died, that would be to exalt Christ also. That would be for God's good purposes. He wasn't promoting himself. He wasn't overly concerned for his own interests. No, Though he faced uncertainties, those uncertainties would not sidetrack him because he was focusing on the risen Savior. He was focusing on exalting the risen Savior. God's word calls us to have the same focus that we see exemplified in Paul's life. And we're encouraged that as we leave this place today, rejoicing in the risen Savior, that as God's people, as God's church, we glorify God with the way that we live. That is why God has us here, that we might magnify him, that we might make him known.